Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Very, very strong spirit today in our worship, and it could just be me. I missed a week, and so I'm hungry to get back and missed being here with you all, but um, it was fantastic to be in the presence and to feel the spirit this morning. Um, we are continuing in our series on discipleship, the life. And just to reiterate some things, this is the life that we are called to live. It's not just something we do. It's not a curriculum we w- learn as far as this path of discipleship, but it is a life um, that we live daily in all aspects of our life. The disciples, when Jesus called, they just left their nets. They left their lives and they lived their life for Christ. And as disciples, if we want to claim that title, disciples, we too are to live our lives for Christ. So we begin today and we talk about service. As I said, Aaron did a fantastic job uh, talking about worship. Um, this week we're going to talk about service, which at, at one level maybe might seem kind of mundane, but when we really get into it, it is a fundamental aspect of who we are as Christians and, and who Christ is. Um, so we'll, we'll see that. So our scripture comes out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning in verse 35 going through 45. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him teaching, or teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God. So if we go back a little bit, remember at the beginning of the series, I told you there's a distinct difference between the disciples in the gospel and the disciples in Acts. And the two things, if you remember, that that made the difference, same people, same guys, uh, different persona, different determination, different attitude. The two primary factors that made this difference was a cemented faith, a firm faith that came from witnessing and experiencing the resurrected Christ. And then the second is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are the two things that made all the difference in in the transformation of these disciples to become truly disciples of Christ. And so in our text today, we see 
that um, this kind of confusion, the, the disciples that are in the Gospels before the cemented faith and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the discernment of the Holy Spirit, we see a, an instance where they're still not quite getting it. They, they think, they're thinking in the terms of the world. They're thinking hierarchy, right? Position, power, um, and they're looking at it from that sense, and they're trying to get in on the ground floor and get their position so when Jesus comes into power, they're going to be his right and left-hand man. And so that, that shows you a misunderstanding. Even when Jesus says, are you going to be able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink from? Are you going to be able to be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? And he's talking about the 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 sacrifice that he's going to have to go through, the, the things that he's going to have to endure. And they unknowingly say, oh, yeah, we can do that. They don't know what they're talking about. But Jesus, unfortunately, tells them, you will go through these things. Trust me. But to sit on my right and my left is not for me to say. Because he realizes that they do not understand. They're just trying to get in on the ground floor. They're just vying for position, literally, right? The left and the right. And then the rest of the disciples, when they hear that they are doing this, they get mad. Not because they're indignant because of the, uh, this misunderstanding, but because they got beat to the punch, right? Because James and John got ahead of them trying to uh, vie get in this situation so that they're sitting at the right and the left of Jesus. But Jesus was going to correct their thinking, as he often had to do over and over, correcting their thinking. Remember when uh, and, and Peter got out ahead of himself all the time, all the time. And when Jesus was telling him once about having to go through uh, this death and resurrection, death, at, in, in, at the cross and going to Jerusalem. And Peter says, I'll never let that happen. And what did Jesus say? He said, you're thinking in the ways of men, not in the ways of God. You can't see this. You don't understand this. I mean, because if you think about it, Jesus was telling him about that he was going to have to die and go to the cross and be resurrected for the salvation of the world. Now, in the ways of the world, Peter's thinking, that should never happen. In the ways of the kingdom of God, what's Peter saying? I will never let you save the world. Right? Very two different things, how you view those things. And so Jesus was constantly, the, the disciples before, he was constantly correcting their thinking. And so he tells them these things about being a servant and being a slave and being last. And they don't understand it now, but they will. Remember back to our, our sermon on Scripture and how God can use Scripture, where if we read it and then we have a life situation like the one I shared with you, God can bring that Scripture and, and illuminate the situation and help you understand that Scripture. In the same way, the disciples are going to learn this, but it's not going to be for a while. Because Jesus tells them, in the Gospel of John, he says, All this I have spoken while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will come and teach you all things and will remind you 
of everything I have told you. So Jesus is teaching them now, knowing that they're not going to fully get it until they go through this transformation, until after the resurrection, until after he sends the Holy Spirit. But he knows then that the Holy Spirit will remind them, will teach them of all these things. And so when we look at this, we see that Jesus is going to give them an understanding of a fundamental aspect of what it is to be a disciple, a fundamental aspect of what it is the kingdom of God values. And so when we look at this, we look at that it, the, the Pharisees who he was constantly correcting, we see this comparison of the things of the world and the things of the kingdom. Um, in Luke, he talks about those that exalt themselves in the world will be humbled, and those that are humble in the world, they will be exalted. And he, in Luke 14, goes into um, uh, more detail, but it talks about always wanting to sit at the head seat. He's constantly reprimanding, reprimanding the Pharisees, the religious leaders, for their hierarchical understanding of what they have made their religion. And he's constantly correcting them and saying, oh, the outside of your cup is clean, but the inside, not so much. You're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. Stop trying to sit at the head of the table. Be humble. Because in our teaching today, in our scripture, and this is one of those scriptures that has always been very important to me. I mean, I think because it's, when I came in as a young Christian, this was something that gave me an understanding about the difference of the world and the kingdom of God. And our scripture tells that Jesus goes over it. He, he shows this comparison. He talks about those that are of the world. They want to lord over. They are high officials. Um, they want to be over people, this hierarchical thing. And that's different than the kingdom of God. See, here in this world, it's about power and prestige. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, no, it's, it's not that. It's about serving and giving. And this is very much related to a, a deeper aspect. This serving is, is a little higher aspect than sacrifice. Because when we serve, we give ourselves to somebody else. We give of ourselves for somebody else. And it has all the aspects that are important to being a disciple. It has humility, kindness, compassion, selflessness. All those are key aspects of who Christ is and who we are supposed to be as his followers. But think about church sometime. Now, remember, I came to the Lord in my early 20s, and so I didn't know a lot about church. I didn't know a lot about denominations. And so I was learning all this, and, and I began not in a church, but reading the Bible on my own. And so I read stuff like this, and it spoke to me about being a servant, being a slave, come, being last, about sacrificing, being selfless. It had all these elements of what I understood about Scripture. And then I began going to church, and then when I started the process to become a pastor, I was like, some of this stuff doesn't line up. You know, we have uh, in our midst this idea of celebrity pastors, right? 
which I am not one of those. But, but I, I remember as a young Christian, I would pull up and I'd see the best parking spot in the whole entire parking lot said, pastor's parking spot. It's like, well, that doesn't seem right. And then you had the biggest office, and you have all this hierarchical stuff, and, and, and just this, and it is not just pastor's fault, it's congregations that put them there. I'm, I'm, I've been in con- enough congregations that I have stories, but I won't tell names. So I was at one church, just to show you how they, they feed the ego of the pastor, that, hey, he's, it's this CEO model. Well, there's, we, we've read there's books about CEO model of being a pastor. Well, that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. I, one time I was at a church, a few churches ago, and there was, we were having this function. I was new to the church, and we had a janitor, a full-time janitor, and they were calling for him. They were cooking in the kitchen, and we were serving this meal to the community, and they kept going, calling out his name, calling out his name. I said, Fine, what, what do you all need? Say, oh, this trash needs to go out. I said, well, I'll take it out. The, you can't take that trash out. You're the senior pastor. I said, would you tell that to my wife? Because I do it all the time at my house. But the indignation that the senior pastor would take trash out in front of people. It's like, that doesn't seem right. But you can tell story after story of this hierarchical kind of celebrity pastor, senior pastor, this, this position, this power. That's not scriptural. Scripture says the closer you are to Jesus, the more in line with the kingdom of God you are, the less of this world you want or desire, and the more of Jesus you want. And the more Jesus becomes the sole thing that you need in this life. Everybody, as Paul says, everything else is garbage and fades away. But that's what Jesus is teaching here. He says, I have come, your Lord and your master, I have come not to be served, but to serve. I have come even to the point of service of giving my life, sacrificing everything for your sake. And so this idea of service and sacrifice is very, is, service is how we live out sacrifice in this world. That's why it's such a, a key item. Jesus teaches about this further in, in John 13. Remember John 13, another key passage that helps us understand service. John 13 is when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. They're, they're Lord, they're Messiah. Their teacher, the one they followed, does the lowliest job in that culture, in that community. He puts a towel on his waist and he bends down and he washes the disciples' feet, which was an act of a servant for those people that would come to their house with dirty feet because they walked in dirt roads and dirt paths and their feet would be horrible. And so you, as, a, as a gesture, you would wash their feet. And Jesus bent down and washed his disciples' feet. 
And the scripture goes on and says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you in an example. He didn't just tell them. I have set you an example that you should do what I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus told us to serve. He told, and it's not from a position of weakness. or low. It, Jesus did this from a position of ultimate strength. He was, he was God incarnate. He had all the power of God around him. He didn't have to do what he did. He did it out of love for us. Jesus said, you will know you that they are my disciples by how they love one another. How can we tell how we love one another? How we serve one another. And I tell you what, I'm ordained so I can say these things now. But it's, it's very close, you know, in Methodism and in church, we talk about sacraments and sacred moments. Well, sacraments are, are sacred moments that are ordained by the church. There are outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace. And so as Methodists, we only recognize two, baptism bapti as sacraments, baptism and Lord's Supper. But I tell you, there's some things that other denominations uh, count as sacraments that I would be in for. And I've got to be careful, because when I was going through the process so many years ago, I would say things like, I know marriage is not a sacrament in the Methodist church, but when I met my wife, it it's coincides with my walk with Christ, and so my marriage is like a sacrament to me. Okay, you need to write a paper about the sacraments. I said like a sacrament, not a sacrament. But I tell you, service is one of those things, servanthood leadership. You start getting into corporate world, they have, they have books about servanthood leadership that they might not claim as Christian, but comes right out of Jesus' teachings. And when we serve, we are never more closer to the image of Christ because we're so close, because it's an act of sacrifice. And it can be a sacred moment. It has for me. I do, I do little things to try to remind myself I'm a servant first. And I'm head servant. If there's a dirty job, I could do it just as well as anybody. If I do little things that are not, they're not like pat on your back things, but Oftentimes, when church is meeting regularly, I'll go park in the worst, furthest parking place. Just to remind me I'm a servant. And just little things. I'll take out the trash. I'll do dishes, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But apparently in some churches it is. But I had, when I was just starting out in ministry, this is where I came in touch with service as a sacred moment, not a sacrament, a sacred moment. I had 
gone into ministry, so I was changing professions. I was starting a master's degree program. My dad had just died suddenly from cancer. Um, so out of the seven major stressors in life, I had like five of them. And then I was starting this church, and I was kind of idealistic about, hey, I'm this heathen guy that's going to catch up to all these good Christian people, and this church is going to be a little piece of heaven on earth. Didn't happen. I had some reality about church is still filled with people. And we had something, and, and I had all this major stuff going on in my life. And some lady came into my office complaining about our cleaning person about how they weren't doing the floors right in the, in the fellowship hall. And it was probably, our fellowship hall was maybe half this sanctuary, a little longer. And it was Saturday night, and I was just at about the end of my rope. And I had another message about the cleaning and da-da-da. And so I said, told my wife, I said, I'll be back. We had a parsonage. And I went over there, and I decided, I'm going to mop this floor. Didn't know what else to do. And so at 10 o'clock Saturday night, I went in there, and I just mopped the floor. Just mopped the floor. All of a sudden, this peace came over me. And all of a sudden, I began to be reassured. And I just kept mopping the floor. No one knew I was doing it. But I felt God's presence. And from that moment on, I viewed service as a sacrament, a sacred moment. And I mopped that floor for a year and a half and told nobody because it was not about telling people, telling people now, but they found out. So, But it was about, it was me and God and this small act of service that became a sacred moment for me because I was in humility, selflessly giving myself and I felt so good and revived and at peace after that. And I continue to look at those moments. And it, I continue to try to find ways to serve. Because I believe when we selflessly serve, we are never more like Christ. And our love for God and our love forever, or for others. And when we selflessly serve day in, day out, at any opportunity, that's part of living the life. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to your table, I pray that uh, we are reminded of your selfless act. Lord, that you gave your life that we might have life. You gave your life that we might be redeemed. Lord, and you did it not because you had to, because you loved us. So through this holy act of communion, Lord, may we, you speak to us about selfless service, selfless sacrifice, that we might walk more closely with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.